0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with Denise and Paul Renner and you, and we're so glad that you're with us, and Jesus is here because he promised in Matthew 18:19 that wherever two or three of us are gathered together he 's in the midst, and he also said that if we would agree in prayer about anything He'll hear us and he'll answer it. So let us know how to pray for you. Just give us a call or send us an email. The moment we hear from you, we're going to really put our faith together for God to move mightily in your life. But hey, we want you to get the download, which is free today, called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. It's 15 parts and it is amazing. What an amazing gift. Look at the size of that, you guys. I mean, it's a spiral notebook. It's it is so de-
1: nice, and it's free.
0: Denise, it's 110 pages of notes.
1: That's quite a lot of pages.
0: It's like a whole book, <laughs> and it's free, and we do it for you, so please go get it. And while you're at our website, you ought to order the whole series that goes with it. It's 15 parts. It's based on the regular TV program. But if you feel like you need a good dose of truth to help you keep your head on straight, when it seems like the world around you and your family and your friends are all <laughs> going in different directions in what they believe this will help you know that it's okay for you to be the way you've always been you don't have to let your brain fall out of your head just because everybody else is losing their mind keep your brain in your head keep your head on straight even if it seems like the world's gone crazy And this series will really help reinforce you And you ought to order the book that goes with it. It's endorsed by more than 40 Christian leaders. How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. The back of the book says we're living in a day when countless multitudes have lost their way morally and spiritually. Like a ship without an anchor, this last day's generation is being tossed to and fro by a flood of deception and wrong influences that is tragically causing people to lose their moorings. You don't have to lose yours, and you can help your kids and your grandkids stay on track. That's why you need this book. And right now we're offering you for a huge discount of 50% on our ministry website our new autobiography called Unlikely. Please order yours. If you feel like you're unlikely to be used, then you need to read this story because if anybody was unlikely, it was Rick and Denise and our family, But God just delights in choosing unliking people to do something because then he gets all the glory. And this Friday night, Paul, what's happening? It's our Renner TV family meeting. Welcome to the Renner TV family meeting.
2: It's going to be A lot of fun. It's not our first time to do this. We've done it a couple of times now. We like to spend time together. And the Renner Family TV meetings are different than any other thing we do because we worship together. There's an opportunity for us to chat and talk with each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this time, Philip's going to be with us. Yes. He's going to lead in worship. Now, I want to say something about how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. Okay. That may seem like a post- pandemic title it has nothing to do with the pandemic it has nothing to do with the pandemic the book was written and published before the pandemic (laughs) and it is so helpful today because as things are upside down it helps us stay stable and know exactly what the word of god says about everything surrounding us amen denise hi
1: Hi, Rick. I just want to encourage you to get that book because we need to be strong. We really need to be strong and know what we believe and convicted about it and not giving our mind to other things because it's not going to help you be strong in in your commitment and faith in God and His Word. So we have to be careful about what we're thinking about and what we're listening to because we need to to put this inside of us, this truth, over and over again. You know,
0: let's go back to where we started last night in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, but I want to paint a picture for you first. When the gospel first came into the world, the world was a pretty dark place. There were no moral rights and wrongs. In fact, today we have the term homosexual. Heterosexual, and of course now we have like a hundred other words you can use. But in the first century, did you know there was no such thing as a homosexual or a heterosexual? They didn't use those terms. People were just sexual. And they just did whatever they wanted to do. There was no rights. There was no wrongs. It was a world that was so morally, morally confused. I'm not talking about the church, and I'm not talking about the Jews, but I'm talking about the Gentile world, and most of the world was Gentile. It was a world really filled with confusion. And they were against the Christian faith because they viewed the Christian faith as being so exclusive. They said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's really why Christians were persecuted. It wasn't because they believed in Jesus. It's because they said, only Jesus. And the pagan world around them had thousands of gods. And they would say, how can you be so bigoted How can you be so narrow-minded to believe there is only one way? Who do you think you are to proclaim that your way is the true way? And they were trying to get Christians to modify their faith, to not be so exclusionary, and to make room for everybody else. And today we call this being inclusive. So what I want you to know is what's happening in the world today is not new. That's exactly what was happening in the world when the church was born. But the world got better. The Bible took its place. The church took its place. But now at the end of the age, the church is even beginning to lose its moorings. The world morally is beginning to revert. And what we're really experiencing, if you want to know the truth, it is a return to paganism. We are living today in a return to a paganistic mindset. And the Apostle Paul promised prophesied that this would happen at the end of the age. And he also promised it because it's a prophecy. But let's look at it. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly. Last night I didn't talk about that word expressly, but in Greek it's the word retus. It describes something that is categorical, something that is emphatic, it is indisputable. So this is not up for negotiation. This is not even something we're going to change through prayer. Now we might hold it back But it's going to happen. And the Holy Spirit speaks expressly, categorically, emphatically, indisputably, without a shred of doubt about something that's going to happen at the end of the age. Well, what is it? Now, the Spirit speaks expressly that at the latter times, we saw last night that the word latter, the Greek word husteros, describes the ultimate, 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 ultimate end of a thing. Let me give you an example. The word husteros could describe Saturday, because it's the very last day of the week. Or if you've got 31 days in a month, the word status" would describe the 31st day of the month, because you can't go any further. Or if you're describing a century, it would describe the 99th year, because you can't go any further. This word status" always describes the ultimate, ultimate end of a thing. So when Paul wrote this, the Holy Spirit was prophetically pointing his finger into the future to describe what's going to happen in the world and in the church at the very, 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 very end of the age. It says latter times. The word times is the word kairos. The word kairos is the word season. So when we've come to the very, very end of the age, into the very last season of the church age, we'll know it. Why? Well, the verse says, because people begin to depart from the faith. And we saw last night the word depart is the word I cannot begin to tell you how important this word is because it describes a very slow gradual departure. It is not a rejection. People don't wake up and say, I don't believe that anymore. People don't wake up and say, I'm going to reject my faith, I'm going to reject the Bible. No that's not the way it happens. They start listening to other voices. They start listening to what they hear in the news and in movies and on television and what the courts are saying, and what medical science is now revising, and they're bombarded and bombarded and bombarded and bombarded, and very slowly, very gradually, they don't even realize that they're in the process of modification. It's not a rejection. It is a modification. It's a departure. And that's what the Holy Spirit prophesied would happen at the end of the age. And we're currently, as a society, under a major modification assault. It's coming to people from every direction. I brought up last night the issue of gender. Well, five years ago when people were talking about this gender question, people laughed about it. Today people are not laughing anymore. In fact, a lot of Christians are not even taking it so serious anymore. Five more years from now, a lot of people will think that it's just something medical to change your gender. Why? How can you go from one position to another? It is the process of modification. And the Holy Spirit prophesied you'll know you've come to the very, 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 very last season of the age when society as a whole is under assault to modify everything it believes. Well, that's the age we're living in, which means we're living at the end of the age. But it goes on to say, we'll depart from the faith. Here we have a definite article in Greek, which means it's not just faith, it's the faith, It is the clear, sound teaching of Scripture or the tenets of the Christian faith. Release it. Don't hold on to it so tightly. Maybe other people have a truth that's different from your truth. It is the coercion to get you to loosen your grip and to give heed to something else. And give heed in this verse is pros echo. Pros means toward. Echo means to embrace you're leaning towards something and now you're even beginning to embrace it. First you listen to it. Maybe you even thought, oh that's crazy. Then you kept listening and listening. It became more enticing. You hear that your friends are listening to it, your people around you are beginning to believe this, so you begin to think, you begin to lean in that direction until finally you begin to embrace it. And when you embrace a falsehood, you have to release truth. You can't hold on to truth. And a lie at the same time. They're contradictory. They're contradictory.
2: You have to make sense of it one way or the other, and many people choose the easier route. And the easier
0: route is just to do what everybody's doing. Because otherwise you stick out. It's very hard to be different, but you know what? Christians are supposed to be different. (laughs) What is wrong with people that they think, I, I don't want to be a Christian, just be so different? of course you're different. We are different. We're different. We're kind of by definition different. And it's okay that we're different. That's, we're supposed to be different. Yes. We're God's holy people. We're in a different category. We're not like other people. That's right. But it goes on to say seducing spirits. By the way, the word spirits, the Greek word daimonion, describes demon spirits. And in the ancient world, it was believed that this word spirits, the word daimonion, was the source of insanity. That's important, because when you embrace a falsehood, it produces insane results. You look at it and you think, that is pure lunacy. If you're listening to what people are saying, you're thinking it is delusional, it is lunacy, it is insanity. It means it has its roots in demonic activity. That's what demons produce. It is insanity. It's off-the-chart craziness. And then it says, doctrines of devils. Doctrines, the Greek word, didascally, it's very important. It's not just doctrines, it's well packaged teaching, or I call this a real amazing sales job or a PR package. The truth, the devil today is not showing up with a pitchfork in his hand and with horns on his head. He's coming as looking like something sophisticated, something helpful. He has repackaged error. He's repackaged it, and the Holy Spirit says in the end of the age, people will begin to let loose of the truth, and they're going to begin to wobble, and the wobbling will get worse and worse and worse and worse, and Jesus told us, we saw this last night in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, that when deception begins to extend its tentacles into every sphere around the world, well, welcome to the end of the age. In fact, In Matthew 24, 3, the disciples said, Lord, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. The word sign is the word for a street sign. Well, what do street signs do? They tell you where you are on your trip. Where you are, where you're going, how soon soon you'll get to your destination. How much further you have to go. And they were really saying, Lord, what are the signs we're going to see on the prophetic road to let us know if we're coming to the end of the age? and most people miss the first one. They just jump right over it. They don't realize really what Jesus said. But the first thing Jesus said was, beware of deception, lest any man deceive you. Beware means perk up, listen, because here's the number one thing. When you see deception affecting the whole world, you're at the very end. And the word deception that Jesus uses is the same word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the word plenae, which describes a moral wandering, no longer knowing morally what is right and what is wrong. And Paul uses it in 2 Thessalonians two eleven where it is translated delusion. So we really know we're talking about delusional thinking. It's delusional thinking. It's really a reprobate society. You know, when we were growing up, we would use the word reprobate. We say, oh, that's just such a reprobate. We would think that's really a horrible person. But there's a lot of good people that are reprobate. I mean, really a lot of fine people that are reprobates. You say, well, what does that mean? The word reprobate is the Greek word adukimos. It describes a mind that has become so modified, a mind that has become so ill-affected that it can no longer see what it once saw. It's a mind that's become tainted. That's really what the word reprobate means. There's a lot of good people whose thinking has been totally messed up. There's a lot of people like that in Congress. (sighs) It's amazing the stuff that we hear people say. And they, they sincerely mean it. You know why they can say such nonsense? Because their mind is affected. They really believe that nonsense. They believe it. They call darkness light, and they really believe darkness is light. They really believe that light is darkness. They really believe that. You know why they believe it? Because their minds are affected. And Romans chapter 1 says this is another indication that you've come to the end of the age. Society will become a reprobate world, which means it will be so calloused in its thinking, it will have been hit so many times with modification and modification that its ability to see truth will be be blurred. Mm -hmm. That's really a reprobate mind. But... This verse says, this is going to happen at the end of the age. And Jesus said, it will be the major sign that you have sailed to the end of the age. You're at the end of the age. You've come right to the end. Welcome to the end of the age. Now, what do we do to help people? Well, Paul told Timothy what to do in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. An amazing verse. He said to Timothy, and he says it to me, says it to Denise, to Paul, and to you, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Greek is my deal. And when you look at this in Greek, it really says it a little different. If you put the brethren in remembrance is the Greek word hupotithyme. The word hupo is a preposition which means to be under something. If I crawled under a table, I would be hoopoe the table. I would be under the table. That's what the word hoopo means. The word tithemi means to establish something, to set something in place, to make it concrete, make it immovable. When you put the two words together, hoopo tithemi, it pictures us, hoopo coming underneath the brethren. Mm-hmm. The brethren here are the subject. We're to come under the church, we're to come under our family, under our kids, under our grandkids, antithemy, lay, place, and position a foundation of truth underneath them. That's our job. That's my job. Right now, my TV program is being extremely received by people. And I'm so thankful for that. And if you're a partner, thank you for helping us take the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. But you know why? It's helped. You know why it's being received? Because I'm just bringing meat and potatoes to people, common sense from the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Every day, day after day after day, we're coming under people's lives to give them something they can build on, something they can stand on. We're living in a world today that has lost its anchor. And our call from God is to put a foundation under people's lives. That means you. You need to put a foundation under your spouse. You need to be putting a foundation under your kids, under your grandkids. You need to be reminding your friends of the truth. See yourself in the position of serving. Not correcting, serving. You're going to do your best to slip in a word every time you can just to put a little foundation underneath that person to give them something to stand on. We're living in a world where people have lost everything they once stood on. And Paul says to Timothy, if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, well, here's how you you can qualify to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Look at the world around you, the people that are sinking, they're wobbling, give them something they can stand on. Can you think of any better gift you can give to your kids or to your grandkids? Mm -hmm. You know, in the case of our own grandkids, Denise and I have eight. I take every opportunity to put truth under those kids. When they come to our house, it doesn't matter what we're doing. We might be laughing, we might be having fun, but I'm going to find little moments throughout the day to slip something underneath them, to remind them about the Lordship of Jesus, to remind them what we do, the truth of the Bible. I pray with them in Russian, I pray with them in Russian that we're going to serve God to the end of our life, we're going to walk straight, not go left, not go right. Just slip it under them. You can do that. You can do that, and the Holy Spirit needs somebody to use. He's looking to use you, Denise.
1: Well, the other day, I was worshiping the Lord. So I was in, I was in the bathroom getting ready and everything, and I was listening to this CD, and I was worshiping the Lord, and I knew that His presence was just filling that, filling that place. And I went and got Daniel, and I went and got Mark, and I said, "Okay." It's Joel's kids. Yes, Joel's kids. And I said, "Okay, I need five minutes." just five minutes so they came with me and Daniel was close to me Mark was a little ways from me and I said you guys this is God's presence I just want you to experience it just for a little minute just for a little second and and so you know it was maybe one minute and maybe 30 seconds that they stood there but it was 30 seconds or it was a minute and I want them to have a hunger and a thirst for his presence. But they're not going to have a hunger and thirst for his presence if I'm not telling them about it, if their mom and dad aren't telling them about it. They, we, sometimes I think, this is what I think we do as adults, we assume that people know what to do because we think we know what to do. So we assume that they know what to do. But they don't know what to do.
0: You know, Denise, when our boys were young, we used to sit around the table and talk. And we would talk about what we believe. We would talk about what we don't believe. We would involve our kids. Well, I'm sure you remember it. Of course. Especially Sundays after church. And just reaffirm right thinking. We're living in a world where you have to reaffirm right thinking. You know, I'm offering you this book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Going Crazy. It's okay to have right thinking. It's okay to be sober in your thinking, to be logical in your thinking. There's a lot of illogical things today that are being taught in school. (sighs) That's the new trend. Throw out everything that we once believed. Just blow the cap off of everything and just go out there. I told you in the last program, when you start in that direction, you're in trouble because there's no end to that. And we have to have discernment. And we need to teach our children
2: discernment. We need to teach other people discernment, that it's okay to make a decision or own your own opinion opinion about whether
0: you think something is true or whether you think something is not true. I was recently with our grandkids in the TV room and something was on. And I just paused it and I said, let's talk about that. What do you guys think about that statement? It's an opportunity. Why, let it, why lose that golden opportunity rather than just say, oh, they're listening to this crazy stuff. Why not just pause it and say, let's talk about that. What do we think about that? And you know what? Our grandkids knew it was crazy. They said, that's not right. And that's right. Reinforce that in them. Yes. Tell them that it's all right to think normally. Put a foundation under them. It makes you a really good believer, a really good mom and dad, a really great grandparent and friend. Amen. Paul.
1: I just think it's really important that we embrace this role, decide, this is my role, this is my place, this is my opportunity to be able to give something very precious to my children or my grandchildren. And I want to tell you something else, because your opportunity it might go away. And you might this is your chance. So take it.
2: Amen. Amen. Paul, thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking time to speak to my children, Joel's children, and Philip and Ella's children, and sharing with them those basic things. Thank you so much for doing that. And you also, please do it. Take every opportunity you have to share those values and help your grandchildren and your children to have discernment. Think intellectually. Have normal adult conversations. What do you think
0: about that? That's okay. Do that. It's very good. And challenge thinking. It's okay to challenge thinking. Yeah. It's, it's, very help, it's very helpful. You help, you, people learn, you help your kids learn how to process and how to think through things. Mm-hmm. But we're out of time. But please let us know how to pray for you. Maybe you're concerned about your kids. Maybe you are. It's heartbreaking when you see your kids going a different direction. or Maybe your grandchildren or maybe you're concerned about your church. Tell us how to pray for you. We'll pray for you. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.